How old were you when you got your first cell phone? I was in sixth grade, I think, around the age of 12. 11, 11 or 12. Whatever age you were in seventh grade, I think it was like 12 or 13. Yeah, I was 11. I was in sixth or seventh grade. How old were you when you got your first social media account? And which one was it? 13 or 14, MySpace. Uh, I had MySpace for a little bit. I got it when I was 12 and I thought it was the coolest thing. I was 13 because that was a Facebook requirement. My parents had me wait, so. Mine was the same way. I was at like a Christmas party with my family and we all just decided we were gonna get Facebook, so. How many social media posts do you make in a week? Wait, time out. Does this count for like Snapchat and like all that stuff? I probably go about three, solid. What? Oh gosh, um, 25? For like Facebook or Instagram, I'd say maybe once a week, but Snapchat, it's like maybe 15. If you include Snapchat, that's probably more like 50 to 100, I would say. Snapchat, that's a different story. That's, uh, that could get up to like 30 to 50 a day. What are some of the positives of social media? Well, I know um, you're able to really communicate a lot better with people and um, you get to keep up to date with friends. And It's a cool way to get to know people better and kind of know their, like, what they're interested in and where they like hanging out. I've met so many people like on trips or, you know, like out of the country and just like keeping in touch through Facebook is, has been really important. What are some of the negatives of social media? I think that in a lot of ways it can give you a false reality of where people are really at in life. If you post a lot of stuff that's negative or bashing a lot of people that reflects on your character and local jobs, if you're trying to get a new job or something, they can look that stuff up and if they see that, it's, it reflects on you. People airing their dirty laundry, so all the negative posts that people like to throw out there. Do you have to be intentional about how you use social media and if so, how? I would say so because in a way what you post is going to be reflected of who you are. People will see this, what you say, what you post, and that'll have a huge impact on how people um, perceive you, whether it's true about you or not. Just like you have to be intentional with like how you speak and how you act like with people, you also have to be intentional online because it's showing who you are and your character. Have you ever had to take a break from social media, and if so, why? Yes, because I'm the type of person that like when I'm bored or I'm in a line somewhere, I'll like constantly refresh social media just to see what's new. Sometimes when I do post stuff, I keep on watching my phone during school time, watching for likes. So it's a very distracting tool sometimes. I've never taken an intentional break. Like I've been, you know, where you have to go on a missions trip and you can't have your phone or um, I don't know, my phone will die or something and I can't get on social media, but I never do it intentionally because I really like social media. I, I need it. <laughs> I need it. <laughs>
Well, we're, we're ending our series on toxic, and we've been talking about relationships. And uh, there's two things I want to do. One is today's message, uh, if it resonates with you, there's a book called Struggles, hashtag struggles. It's by Craig Rochelle, and it really talks about the issues of social media and how you live that out as a Christ follower. It's in the Resource Center if you want to pick it up. People ask you from time to time, hey, man, do you have a resource on that? Do you have something on that? And so that's where that's coming from. The second thing I want you to do is I want everybody, if you have a smartphone, I want you to pull it out. Uh, seriously, just take it out, open it up, Facebook, and we're going to all check in. We're going we're gonna to actually use some social media in the message. This is like an interactive message. And if you're a kid and your parents have told you to put your phone up, I'm not going to try to tell you not to do what your mom and dad says, but I'm saying it's okay, all right? So pull it out. And, uh, and just simply, you know, if you go to Facebook, right there, upper right-hand corner, check in, hit that, and then just post it. Like, everybody knows you're at Life Church. I know. You're going to be cool like that instantaneously. So just checking. Everybody checked in? No? You haven't? Just I'll give you a few minutes. Some of you people may need some help. If you need some help, raise hands. We'll have some technical people that will come and help you. We've got somebody right here. Adam will have somebody with you in just a minute here. Adam Kosinskis needs some help there on the fourth row. All right. So, so the thing is, is that years ago, in order to do anything, it was, I mean, communicating around the world, uh, communicating uh, around the United States. I mean, it, it was one of those things that just took a long time. I remember being a youth pastor in the 90s, mid-90s when I graduated from college, and uh, I remember going to my senior pastor trying to sell him on the ideology of the Internet, or we called it the intranet at that point, right? Nobody really knew the World Wide Web. And so I, I was like, this, this is going to be huge. We're going to be able to access information. This is how information is going to flow. And I just remember, like, and that, that's back when we had like Pentium 1, Pentium 2 computers. Anybody? Right? Intel Pentium processors, they first came out. And so, I mean, it was so slow and you had the dial up. <laughs> AOL. Some of you still have AOL accounts. And I know this because that's where we email you. And, uh, but that's when AOL was hot and everything was that way. And from there till, you think about it over the last 20 years, the amount of explosion of information is unreal. And we can communicate with anybody anywhere on the planet within a matter of seconds. What you just posted can be seen anywhere on the planet. Anywhere there's an online ability or a cellular tower. If you even go to third world or developing nations, a lot of times you'll find that there's not a Wi-Fi there, but everybody has a cell phone. Everybody has an ability. And so information travels so much faster. Information is multiplied. What used to take 10 years to, 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 to begin to start some type of a, of a culture revolution can now be done within a matter of, of days and months. It just it, Information flows so much quickly. And there's a lot of great things. There are a lot of great things about media and about the power of communication and social media. And by this, I'm talking about any type of digital communication today. I'm talking about whether it's texting, uh, even the development of cell phones. Some of you remember when long distance cost something. Yeah, you also remember eight tracks and cassettes, and your kids have no clue what those are. Um, you know, and, and VHS tapes. Anybody? Beta? Yeah, some of you really lost on that one. Okay, so... The deal is, is, but I mean, so any type of digital communication, any type of online communication, any type of email communication or social media through any type of app uh, or, or software type of a thing from Facebook to Instagram to Twitter to, to you know, uh, Snapchat to, to whatever it is that, that you're on. It, it just, and it just keeps growing exponentially to try to keep up with it. But there are pitfalls. 
And, and I want to talk about some of that today. There, there are things that, that we have a world of instant access in the palm of our hands. But there's pitfalls with this. Pornography has never been more accessible than it is right now. And on a digital mobile device, it's almost completely anonymous. You can get anything you want anywhere in the world at any given time off of a mobile device, good and bad. You, you literally hold the palm, you, you hold the world in the palm of your hand. And, 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 but it, it's, it, it's impacted us. Social media, Facebook, how we live life, what we do. And again, I'm not against any of that. I have a Facebook, I'm on Facebook, I'm on social media, I'm on all kinds of things. If I can really be honest with you, the, the more I'm on it, the more I want to be off of it. Because there's just, there's just some inherent things if we're not careful. So what I want to do today is I want to just talk about four, five, six major issues that everybody, not just church, but, but, but sociologists and psychologists talk about this, this phenomenon and how it affects us. And what does the Bible have to say about social media? And then I'm going to end today with how do, we, how do we navigate it? And what are some good rules, biblically speaking, for social media? So I'm going to give you some scriptures as we go along. The first one's going to be in Philippians chapter 4. And so it's going to be on the screen here in a minute. But, but the first issue that we deal with with social media of how it impacts us and how we experience life is contentment. Social media will impact your contentment or lack thereof. Research shows uh, that... that one-third of people, after being on Facebook for any amount of time, felt significantly worse because of envy. They look at somebody else's life. It's what they call the comparison trap. You see everybody else's highlight reel. You see everybody else is going on vacation. Everybody else has got a better vacation. Everybody else is getting a new house. And everybody's getting a new car. And everybody got new this and a new that. And, and they, they got this and that. And everybody, it's very much about me. And if you're not careful, all of a sudden, that's all you see on social media. And you find yourself in a trap of going, man, I wish I was living their life. I wish I was in their world. I wish I was there with celebrities. It's, it's 24-7. And you need to understand they have full-time, high-paid people that keep those things going for them. They're not sitting there trying to figure out what the greatest thing to say next is. But it looks like, man, can I live that life? And 24-7, you look at that. Your kids... Even, you know, I have two teenage daughters, and the way that you parent teenage children, it's different today than what it was even when I was being brought up in the 80s because the reality is, is that now there's all this instant access to anything, to everything, and people, the contentment level goes so much lower. One-third of people after viewing Facebook felt worse about themselves in their life than what they did before they got online. What does the Bible say about this? Philippians chapter 4 Verses 12 and 13 says, I know what it is to be in need, Paul says, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So as we look at this, this issue of contentment, this isn't a new issue. We just see a whole lot more of it. It's not a new problem or a new phenomenon. They were dealing with it in the first century. Paul says, man, I've had a lot, I've had little, but in all these things, I just look to the Lord to be my strength. But social media, it, it enhances this problem. It, 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 it exacerbates the situation. The second thing that we see that, that, that social media has had an impact on us is relationships, how we relate to one to another. It's redefined the word friend for us. 
The average Facebook user has 328 friends. And if you have 12, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make you feel bad about yourself. Go back to point number one. The average American has two close friends. See, on, on digital media, you can make anything look amazing. It's truly smoke and mirrors. You can make your life look amazing. You can make your kids look amazing. You can make your marriage look amazing. You can make your business look amazing. You, you can fabricate a virtual world that makes you look awesome. You can look like you've got a gazillion friends. But the reality is, is that most people in this room have two close personal friends. With this new term and, and, and how we view social media and friendships, they're less intimate and they're less meaningful. That's a problem. You know why it's a problem? Because before God ever addressed the sin issue of mankind in Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3, he addresses man's aloneness in Genesis chapter 1. God looks at Adam and says, it's not good that he's alone. I, he, I created a creature, a being, in my image and likeness called mankind, and mankind was never intended to be alone. We have this desire prior to the fall of mankind, prior to sin in the world, we have this need to connect with one another. We have this need to be connected to. And so you look at social media and you think, man, I know more about everybody, but you don't. You only know what they want you to see. They only, you only know what they want you to know. It, it's the disclosure is so filtered from the pictures to the statements to the snapshots of their life. It's their highlight reel. It's their best days. It's their wins. Nobody puts epic fail up. Not really. Nobody gets on Facebook and just says, hey, my spouse just left me. Nobody gets on Facebook and goes, I can't control my kids. Nobody gets on Facebook and says, I just got fired. Unless you're trying to file a lawsuit, so they're trying to get some, some, some momentum going in that direction. No, man, we show, I just got the promotion. I just got the new car. I just got a new house. Life is good. What does the Bible say about relationships and the power relationships? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and towards good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as we see the day approaching. That word day is, is all caps, or capitalized, which means he's speaking about the second coming of Christ, the return of Jesus Christ. Look, if they're dealing with this in the first century, we're definitely dealing with this in the 21st century. Not new issues. Just a new way of dealing with them. So it's contentment, it's relationships, social media, deal, authenticity. I've been kind of alluding to it throughout our time, but it's authenticity. We live in a very filtered world. We live in a world from the media that we get to the media that we read to the people that we interact with. It's all filtered. Nothing's really real, as though it seems. It's, it's, it's an aspect of reality, but not a complete totality of reality. People avoid face-to-face -face conversations. Sometimes even calling someone on the cell phone right, is a unique experience. I remember when texting was first getting out, I had some staff members like, just text me. I'm thinking, that is the stupidest thing in the world. Like, why would I want to text you on the phone? I got a phone, I'm just going to call you. Now I'm like, man, I'm not calling you, just text me. That's the easiest way to get a hold of me, man, just text me. 
right? Because you get on the phone with some people and you cannot get off. You know what I'm talking about? Don't point. It's not nice. You know this is the truth. There's some of you like going, mm, I'm going to hit that button. I'm in a meeting right now. I'm not really, but I just don't want to talk to him. Or I'll do that, deal with that tomorrow. Click, right? And he goes right to voicemail. Hi, you've reached the phone of Aaron Cole. Sorry I'm unable to come. No, it's, it's, it should say, hi, you've reached the phone of Aaron Cole. I don't want to talk to you right now. Why don't you text me? So I actually have a friend. Dude, that's his voicemail. If you've called right now and you've reached this number, uh, I don't return, nor do I listen to any voicemails. So if you want to get a hold of me, please text me. If you don't, I promise you I will not return your call. Thank you and have a great day. Hand to the sky. I'm not, I'm not joking. The, the deal is, is, is what happens is face-to-face interpersonal communication becomes a rarity. I mean, with teenagers, there are times in my house where somebody doesn't get up from the second floor to the main floor or from the basement to the main floor to talk. I would like some Cheerios. You know what I'm saying? We just text it, and all of a sudden, Tammy's phone is like, da-ding, da-ding, da-ding. And I go, what's the deal? <laughs> I, I know, I'm just going to tell you, I know I feel like an old, old, old dude on this one. But, like, I have these conversations with my, with my teenagers, with my teenage daughters, and I'm like, do you guys not talk on the phone? Like, holla. Like, I remember, like, here was the deal. I remember, man, when I was, like, wanting to, like, like get my jam on, and I was wanting to, like, ask somebody out, like a girl out, right? So you would call the house, and if her dad answered, you hung up. You remember that? And if you were really cool, you had a phone room. If you didn't, your parents had, like, a 100-foot extension cord. Do you remember that? So you could go to another room with a phone. That was before, like, like, remember before Sony had the one with the big, huge, long antenna? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like the satellite space coming, earth to space. I mean, it was one of those types of phones. And so you would go in and you'd talk, but you had to get your jam on, man. Like, hey, what's up? And it was hard because you're like, hey, how are you? You know, and you're all nervous. Where has that nervousness gone? We need to put that back into teenage life, right? Because you don't get that on a text. You don't get that on a picture, a little selfie. You're not getting all of that. What happens is, is the way that we're communicating and I'm not preaching against texting, and I'm not preaching against, you know, trying to uh, social media communication. But if we're not careful, it creates a very inauthentic way to communicate. The Bible talks about how we as Christ followers need to be people that are very clear and transparent, very authentic. And this value of authenticity should be something we have in our life. I'm going to show you this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13 through 18. Paul says to the church in Corinth, We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for the day, for, the, for to this day the same veil remains when the Old Covenant, being the Old Testament, is read. It's not been removed. Only in Christ is that veil taken away. Even to this day, Moses, when Moses is read, the veil covers their hearts. But when any, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away, and the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, we are being transformed into His image with an ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So the mark of every Christ follower should be a very high level of authenticity and transparency not a veiled filter of who we are. 
So often, we put up a veil because we don't want to experience this authentic life. So often, we allow there to be a filtered life going on, and we project this filtered life instead of just being real and honest. What happens with our communication, because it's not face-to-face, we will say things in a digital format that we would never say to somebody's face. We, we will communicate in ways, and I just want you to help you, help you understand this. Words on a page are always subject to the reader's interpretation. There's not voice inflection. There's not body language. 86% of communication is body language. Only 14% of communication is actually verbal. So you take 86% of communication completely out, and what you do is you replace it with that person on the other end who's receiving the text, who's receiving the email, who's receiving the Facebook message, who's receiving, receiving the direct tweet, whatever, however it is that you're communicating. It's completely up to that person. So things get misinterpreted. Things get misunderstood. We also will say things online. We will post pictures online. We will, we, we, we will exchange information online that we would never verbally say out of our mouths. You don't believe this? Look at texting that happens even among students, your kids. Whether you check your kids' phones or not, that's your business. If I pay for it, it's mine. That's my philosophy. I'm checking all of it. Amen. Don't email me. I'm not going to receive it. Amen. I'm just email God. All right. Here, but I'm just saying, I'm telling you, though, that what we, what we deal with is, is we have this veiled, this filtered type of communication if we're not careful, that's just not real. And we put up this image that we're not. It's like, it's like when I used to talk about Sunday morning Christians, man. People come to church and look all good, like everything's great, and nobody talks about their problems. We are all jacked up. You are. I am. We're all flawed. Listen, we're all messed up. Everybody in this room, just like Superman had kryptonite, everybody has something that you struggle with. I don't care how holy you appear on the outside. I don't care how many degrees you have. I don't care how many times you read the Bible. I don't care how many times you pray. I don't care how many times you go to church. I'm telling you, we all fundamentally are flawed. Paul says that all of us are sinners. None of us are righteous. And that our righteousness are are as a filthy rags in the sight of a holy God. But we project sometimes this image that's not really us. Remember glamour shots? We do this. Nobody ever takes a picture of themselves where they look fat and they post it. I, I got to have another one of those again. Just stick my chin out a little bit further, right? Suck the gut in a little bit more. Okay, take it down. Oh, okay. We're all trying for this image. We're all trying to do this. Oh, that's a good picture, man. We'll put that online. Now, don't hate. I do the same thing, but I'm just saying this is what we do. It's filtered. That's why I cut, wear a jacket. Dark jacket covers a multitude of sin. Authenticity should be a value that we have, but many times it's lost in social media. Compassion. Compassion. University of Michigan did a study on 14,000 college students in America between 1979 and 2009, and it showed a sharp decline in empathy. We care 40% less today than we did in the 1980s. Why? Because we're more focused on ourselves than ever before, i.e. the word selfie. Really, whoever took Polaroid pictures of themselves? I used to do that with kids on youth trips. If they left their cameras, I was taking pictures of myself all day long. 
But that was it. That was just because they were like, why aren't there five pictures of your youth pastor on here? Because you left your camera where it wasn't supposed to be. Why, why do we care less today? Because we see the needs of the world instantly through social media, and it decentralizes us, or de- de- excuse me, it desensitizes us to the actual need. We become overexposed. It's just another picture. It's just another, it's just another appeal. It's just another. There, there's a lack of personal interaction that makes it easier not to care. You just swipe the screen, and it goes away. You just scroll up or scroll down, and the problem's gone. You don't want to see what's there? Just, just go right to the next news story. Mark chapter 1, verse 40 and 41, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus. So leprosy was an incurable illness of the day, and he begged to be healed. Didn't just ask, begged him. Pleading, crying, screaming, begging him. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Look at verse 41, and moved with compassion... Jesus reached out and touched him and says, I am, be healed. When was the last time you were moved with compassion? When was the last time that you saw someone or a situation in need that it moved you to the hairs on the back of your neck kind of stood up to where you kind of were emotionally challenged and moved? Jesus was. And on social media, a lot of times, there are all kinds of needs begging for attention. Swipe, 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 scroll up, scroll up, scroll down. When was the last time we were moved to compassion? Unfortunately, the digital age in which we live in, it, it erases or reduces radically that. The, the, the next thing, or the last thing, is rest. This is big. This is really big. I'm going to give you some stats on this. Rest. You understand, we were designed to be like God, so six days on, one day off. God created the heavens and the earth for six days, and then he rested one. The, the Jewish philosophy in the Old Testament was that you worked sun up to sundown for six days, and on the seventh day, you rested. I personally believe you can work a six-day work week. I'm a real big believer in work. I'm a big believer in getting up in the morning, getting your stuff to do. There are days where my day will start at 4 o'clock in the morning because i got a 7 o'clock meeting that will go boom, 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 boom. It's just what it is. Go home that next night, end of the day. I get in bed by 9 o'clock. I'm out like a fat kid in dodgeball, and I get up the next morning to do it again. And I can say that because I was a fat kid that played dodgeball. Holla. You skinny people can't say that. Rest. We don't get rest. Look at these stats. 58% of people don't go one hour without checking their cell phone. 58% of Americans don't go an hour without checking their phone. 59% of Americans check email as it comes in. So somebody, bing, you got an email, you instantly check it. 89% check it daily, even on vacation. I throw it in the water on vacation, man. When I'm knee-deep in the water somewhere, I don't need you calling me, texting me, emailing me. 89%. 80% of teenagers sleep with their phones. We have a rule in our house. If you want to keep your phone and you're a student, you're a teenager, you're living on my roof, you have it plugged in, and it's, 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 it's not in your room at night. Not, you lose it. Why? Because all of a sudden I'm reading, they got text at 2 o'clock in the morning. They got a Facebook post at 4 o'clock in the morning. It's not that they got up early that morning to do homework. It's because they didn't sleep all night. 84% believe that they could not go one day without their phone. I challenge you. 
I triple dog dare you. Can you go 24 hours without your phone? Just shut it off, turn it off. Man, I, I do business. You don't think I don't get a phone call in the middle of the night when somebody's been rushed to a hospital? Man, my job is 24-7. I wish all I did was preach on the weekends. This is the best part of my world. I love being with you and hanging out and talking. And you listen. It's amazing to me that you're here. <laughs> no. I live in the same world you live in. And I travel all the time. Within a 75-day within a, a period last fall, I, I did almost 90,000 sky miles. I mean, I get it. Email, text, keep up, what's going on, boom, boom, got to move this, move that, uh, you know, airline, da, 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 I mean, the, the whole deal. But are there ever times you just turn it off and just put it down? The staff knows that, man, when I get in at the end of the day, I turn my phone off, I put it upside down, I don't mess with it until I get up the next morning. There's a number to get a hold of me. If you need to get a hold of me, there's an emergency. But don't call my cell phone because that's all. You call my cell phone, 90% of the time it's on mute because I hate for things to bing just ding me like really like and, and I look at people sometimes and go you're going to answer it every time somebody else calls you you control your life you you control what you do don't let this device control you but we do and because of that we don't get we don't get rest Hebrews chapter 4 verse 9 through 11 says so there is a special rest awaiting for the people of God for all who have enter, entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world that's what God did so let us do our best to enter into that rest but if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, we will fall or fail. If you're going to get rest from media, you're going to have to make a plan. You've got to set up boundaries. So no phone during meals. We don't, that's one of the things we do in the Cole household. We have a family dinner. That phone goes upside down on the table, and it better not be on vibrator or on ring, or I own it for the next 24 hours. Put it at nighttime, just put it on a certain setting at a certain time. I'm not looking at it. If they need to get a hold of me, they can get a hold of me tomorrow. Do you remember we did have life before cell phones? Did y'all know that? Some people are going, no, hard, don't fail me now. Every teenager hates me right now. <laughs> Just love this, mom and dad. All right. Uh, no social media while on vacation. Have you ever done that where you just say, I'm just going to take a break from social media. I'm not going to look at Facebook. I'm not going to post on Facebook. Post on Facebook. Force yourself to take a break. And if you're married and you think your spouse is addicted, I give you permission to challenge them, to triple dog dare them, maybe put 100 bucks on it, that they can't go a particular amount of time without their phone. So what's the answer? No phone, no technology? No. I just think we have to create boundaries. You know, in the 80s, we had a, I had a, a guy that was in the church. It was a family in the church that I grew up with. And, 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 I mean, we all watched TVs and went to movies and did the whole thing. I mean, it's no big deal. And he, man, the movies were, I mean, TV was becoming more and more and more evil, right? Dallas and Falcon Crest, remember that? And, T, and, and remember, remember uh, Magnum P.I.? When he took his shirt off, it was like it was on. It was just horrible. We're all going to hell. Do you remember how bad that was, Fair Fawcett? Remember Fair Fawcett? Thank God for Fair Fawcett. So anyhow, so I'm just saying, so the deal is it was horrible. And so he got rid of all televisions, almost went completely off the grid. And that lasted for a couple of years until he bought more TVs and whatever. I'm not suggesting that you throw your cell phone away. I'm not suggesting that you don't have a Facebook account. I'm not suggesting that you don't have any type of media. What I am saying is, is challenge yourself to where the areas and what are the questions you need to ask in regarding to social media. Let me give you a couple of things to think about. Is this poster conversation going to be glorifying to God? Is what I'm about to post 
or what I'm about to text about or tweet about, is it glorifying to God? It amazes me that we will use language on social media that we would never use in church. It amazes me that we would post pictures of ourselves on social media that we would be horrified, mortified if we put them up on the screen. I almost thought, let's go through people's Facebook posts and let's just post various pictures. Some of you are going, oh, dear God, is he going there? I'm out of here. We're not doing that. But why does that cause your heart to race? It shouldn't. Shouldn't we be the same people here as we are out there? Mm. Is this post or conversation consistent behavior for me? Is this true of who I am? You know, is it true if I am? If you're a Packers fan, do not cheer for the Vikings. This is very simple language. You understand? I'm being facetious to kind of break the, the air in the room, but I think it's, 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 is this consistent? Or is this duplicit? Do people see a different person than me on Facebook than, they, than I want them to see over here? Employers are looking at this all the time going, look, this is the person I'm going to employ. Are they the same person in the office as they are outside the office? Is this post or conversation accepting of sin? Am I condoning sin? Would I want my child to read this? Would I want my child to say this? Would I want my child to drink this or smoke this or be in this frame of this picture? Would I want that to be posted in front of people in my small group or people that I'm around, people that I'm trying to, am I condoning something? Am I accepting of something? We all make mistakes. I'm not trying to, trying to jam on you. But I'm saying when we post something in social media, it's not usually accident. I guess there could be drunk postings, but I'm just saying for the most part, it's we're intentional. We took that picture. We thought about that. We put that up online, or at least we should. Is this post or conversation filled with harsh criticism or gossip? Even if it's true, if it's slanderous about someone, it's gossip. If you've ever been slandered in social media, it's not fun. It's just not. And quite frankly, it's a very cowardice way to go about it because you'll say things in social media that you would never say toe-to-toe -to, -toe to somebody's face. So what are the guidelines? If I can have a phone, do I need like put Jesus in every text? <laughs> no. Does life church need to be in every text? That'd be great, but no. Or every, every, every post? No. But I think that social media is communication. It is. It's speech. So what does the Bible say about speech? What does the Bible say about the tongue? What does the Bible say about that? I'm going to land the plane right now. James 1.19 says, Dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone, this is speaking of how you should communicate, be quick to listen, be slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Why? Because what you're listening to and what you're about, maybe about to speak to, you may become angry about. So there's just three simple things there that I would say would probably help all of us as we try to navigate a correct pattern and boundaries and how to communicate in the world in which we live in. First, be slow to speak. That's your action. Before you post something, before you hit send on an email, before you hit send on a text, think about it. If you need to sleep on it, sleep on it. Do not do anything in haste. Don't do anything because it's out there. And once it's out there, it's out there. You cannot retract it. 
Once you post that picture, once you post that text, once you send that email, it's there. And remember, it's not in your voice, it's in the voice of the reader. Words on a page are never neutral. They are always subjective, and they're subjected to the reader's opinion of you and the tenor of what's going on. Think about it before you post it. There's been a couple times I've wanted to rip somebody and just thought, man, I'm just going to, uh. and it's cowardice, one. But number two, it's just, think about it. There are times I go, hey, before I send this, I need somebody to look at this. I'm not going to blind copy somebody. I just want somebody to listen to this. Is this right? Is the language right? Am I saying this correctly? I don't mean language like in cussing. I mean like the tenor of what I'm saying. Is, it, is, is this consistent? When I'm communicating, I mean to be quick to listen. That's thought. Quick to listen. Sometimes I need to marinate on some stuff. I just need to process it for a minute. I need to put on the rotisserie for just a little bit and just see, is this really... I need to think about this. And some of us, with social media, because we're trying so much to keep up with the Joneses, we're probably better off just not to even be on it. What? How can somebody live in America and not be on Facebook? Well, there's a lot of people that aren't on Facebook. There's 300, almost 70 million people just in the United States. The vast majority of those are not on Facebook. Think about it. If it causes you to have anxiety, if it causes you to try to, to, to be frustrated, if it causes you to, maybe you need to pull back. And before you post that, before you say that, before you do that, you may want to just think. Be quick to listen. Gather the information before you make a decision. And the last thing is be slow to anger. That's your reaction. Don't just react. Don't just spit something out there. Don't just pop something out there. Think about this. Many times people that do that on social media have very little to lose. They either work in a job that doesn't require them, to, that, they, that their employer doesn't really care, or their employer may really, that's part of their angle of what they do, or they may not have a job on Monday. I mean, it's just a thing of be very slow to react to a text, to an email, to a whatever. Before you fire that thing out, before you send that out, before you do that, Again, we all find ourselves in these situations. I was in a, I was in a, basically a conversation over email with uh, someone not in Life Church. In other words, it's in a completely different setting. It was a writing. It was a piece that I did, and I was I was asked to write this article, and so I wrote this article. And uh, the editor came back, and they're they're paying me to write this article. And the editor comes back and just says, I mean, they just ripped me up one side and down the other. So immediately, I go to Facebook to find out who's online, who are these people. So this person's in the conversation, this person, well, they've never pastored. They don't have, they're not as educated as I am. Who do they think they are? I mean, they're, they're, they're from Mississippi. I mean, everybody knows that people from Mississippi are messed up. And so, well, I mean, I'm just joking, but I'm from Arkansas. You understand? And so I'm just like going through this. And I'm about to send this email going, listen, if you want to correct me, you need to have your facts straight and you have people that are educated enough to be able to do so. I just, you've had those moments where you're like, who are you? And I was like, you know what? So I called a friend of mine. I said, here's the email I'm about to send. Tell me. And so immediately I tell him, and he just goes, no, no. If that's the last article you ever want to write and those editors get together, I'm telling you, no. Aaron, here's how this is going to be read. And he said, 
He said, send it to me. So I sent him him the email. He said, let me read it to you the way they're going to read it. Horrible, man. I was like, okay, so what do I do? He goes, you just need to humble yourself and submit yourself and just try to give them what they're asking for. I said, but oh, it goes against everything. It's, I understand, but that's kind of turn the other cheek on this one. I did. They were happy. I was happy. All ended well. I was thankful. But again, if I'd have hit send on that, it would have represented me in a way that would not have been pleasing. It would have not just stayed there. That stuff gets forwarded and filed and commented to the next time. And the other thing is, I'm not just Aaron. I I represent you. You're not just you. You represent Jesus. At your job, with your kids, with the parents that are involved with your kid's soccer program, at your kid's school, at your place of business, in your professional community. And sometimes we don't connect all of that. We kind of separate that. But no, 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 no. It's never just Aaron. It's never just... Rick or Sally, we're representatives of Jesus. I know that's tough, but that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So I'm not telling you to stay out of it. I'm just saying be careful as you walk in it. And kind of go back to those questions to ask yourself. Go back to those guidelines to be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to anger. And we all find ourselves where, man, I shouldn't have sent that. Just own it. Sorry. In the heat of a discussion, we say things sometimes that we just didn't, it didn't come out right. It's okay. We need to be gracious with one another. Lord knows I need grace. But we need to be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to anger. We need to teach our kids. Listen, teach our kids. I know some of you, uh, you're, you're trying to hold your kids back from this, and that's fine. I think you should, you, you should, you should hold off as long as you possibly can. But there's going to come a time where they're going to be swimming in these waters of social media, and you need to be there to teach them. This is what's appropriate. This is what's not appropriate. Teach and train them so that they know. Because if not, it all becomes very toxic. And it creates something that God never intended for us to live in or for us to be.